Taiwan reported 384 local COVID cases on Friday, the highest count so far this year. Of the 384, New Taipei reported 146, followed by Kaohsiung and Taipei with about 50 cases each. The CECC says it will observe developments closely over the next two weeks. It says it will focus on monitoring infection curves and RT values, as well as whether there are any new infection chains. Amid the surge of cases, the CECC announced a proposal to let patients with mild or no symptoms isolate at home. Let's hear from CECC officials. First of all, to be able to isolate at home, the COVID patient and any others in the household must be aged 65 or below, and they may not be pregnant or on kidney dialysis. Infected people should stay separate from uninfected people in the household, so infected patients must stay in a room of their own. At most, there can be four uninfected people in the same household. Of course, there will be some exceptions, which will be determined by local governments. After the isolation is up, recovered patients must still observe seven days of self-health management. Uninfected people in the household must do seven days of enhanced self-health management, and they must take rapid tests on the third and seventh day after the end of isolation. Local governments will set up care centers to follow up on patients and care for their needs. So the criteria for ending isolation is, first of all, the patient's symptoms should be clearing and any fevers must have ended at least one day before. Another condition is that at least 10 days must have passed since symptom onset or since the first positive test. The patient must also have tested negative at least once in that period using a home-use rapid test kit. If these conditions are met, they can be released from isolation. But, say the patient keeps showing a positive in the rapid tests, in that case, health authorities will arrange a PCR test. If the CT value is 30 or greater, the patient is allowed to leave isolation. Meanwhile, uninfected family members of patients isolating at home must be kept isolating until 10 days have passed since the most recent COVID diagnosis and all people isolating in the household and any infected patients in the household must test negative in a rapid test. Once the time is up and everyone tests negative, uninfected family members can leave isolation. The new home isolation rules could be finalized as early as next week. Already, Taoyuan and New Taipei have announced they would like to do a trial run of the new home isolation system. In response, the CECC says the implementation will depend on daily case numbers, adding that local governments that want to implement the system early must first make arrangements with the central government. Four PLA warplanes enter Taiwan's air defense identification zone on Thursday in the latest intimidation campaign from across the strait. Although China continues to conduct incursions into Taiwan's air defense zone, U.S. officials and local experts say China would have a hard time actually launching an invasion of Taiwan. For China's People Liberation Army aircraft entered Taiwan's air defense identification zone on Thursday, 
before being intercepted by Taiwan's Air Force, which broadcast warnings to the PLA planes. One of the aircraft was the Shanxi Y-9 electronic warfare and surveillance aircraft. The plane flew near the Dongsha Atoll and along the border of Taiwan's air defense identification zone before crossing over into the defense zone. Such acts of intimidation from China have not ceased, even amid the Ukraine-Russia war. The U.S. has responded by reiterating support for Taiwan's defense, while warning China that an invasion of Taiwan would be no easy feat. And I think there's a lot of lessons that are coming out of Ukraine that China's taken very, very seriously. Uh, crossing the, the Taiwan Straits and conducting an amphibious and or air assault onto the island of Taiwan and the city of Taipei with the millions upon millions of people in there, the mountainous terrain of Taiwan. Taiwan's a defensible island. We just need to help the Taiwanese to def defend it a little bit better. Uh, and we can do that. But uh, that is the best deterrent, is to make sure that deterrent by denial, to make sure that the Chinese know that if they were to attack Taiwan, it's a very, very difficult objective to take. A researcher from the Institute of National Defense and Security Research echoed the official's claim that Taiwan is a defensible island. He said that Taiwan has advantages in geographic and strategic defense. He adds that Taiwan's adoption of a deterrence by denial strategy in recent years has sent a clear message to China that an attack on Taiwan would come at a high cost. For the PLA to make a landing on Taiwan, it is widely believed that it would need a military 10 times stronger than Russia's. It must be able to assemble troops and equipment near the coast and then conduct beach landings. At present, the PLA is not equipped to do so. U.S. Deputy Secretary of State Wendy Sherman has said that she hopes China has learned the right lessons from the war in Ukraine. That is to say, an invasion of Taiwan would not be that easy. The researcher says that Taiwan should continue to strengthen its asymmetric warfare capabilities to turn Taiwan into a hedgehog island that would deter a Chinese attack. The ongoing war in Ukraine has caused international oil prices to rise since mid-February, impacting the price of goods in Taiwan. In its latest report, the government statistics agency said the consumer price index reached 3.27 percent in March, the highest value in nine and a half years. It also marks the eighth month in a row that consumer prices go up by more than 2 percent. Let's hear from the controller. The war in Ukraine is affecting the costs of some agricultural and industrial raw materials, especially the price of crude oil, which affects domestic fuel costs. The price of fuel has gone up by 20 percent year on year. These increases are what pushed the CPI up above 3 percent in March. Therefore, the public is going to be more deeply impacted by the increase of the price of goods. As long as international oil prices and raw material prices don't see another major increase, then the domestic price of goods is likely to slowly stabilize, and there won't be any more big price hikes. The price of eggs made the biggest jump, rising by more than 26 percent from last year. Though inflation has been on the rise, the statistics agency says the rate could stabilize in the near future. The U.S. has announced it will tap into its oil reserves to drive down prices, with other international energy agency member countries expected to follow suit. The Taipei Electric Appliance Fair kicked off on Friday with manufacturers and electronics retailers showing off their latest wares. Some sellers urge customers to place orders fast, as prices are expected to go up soon amid rising material costs. They also say delivery times for new products may be long amid a global chip shortage. 
The Taipei Electric Appliance Fair has kicked off amid rising COVID numbers in Taiwan. COVID measures are firmly in place at the venue, but still, crowds on opening day were thinner than in previous years. Firms in the sector report that material costs have gone up by 30 percent. That, combined with the devaluation of Taiwan's currency, has made many firms decide to raise prices for appliances such as air conditioners and refrigerators. Prices could go up by about 3% in May, reaching a historic high. If you look at yesterday's exchange rate, it was almost at 29 NT to the US dollar. That's a rise in costs for us of 4% to 5%, so that has an impact on retail prices. Firms in the sector are cautious about this year's business prospects. They say that amid rising prices and chip shortages, appliance deliveries could see bigger delays. Uh, if the appliance model that you purchase is out of stock, you might have to wait one to three months for it to be delivered. If the model you want is in stock, it would take just two to three weeks. If consumers are clever, they'd be taking advantage of offers on older models and buying those. If you want a new model, the way things are now is that, first, there will be delivery delays, and second, you'll be paying 10,000 to 20,000 NT more for a similar product. Electronics firms say they hope the chip shortage will ease in June. The 1NT, 5NT, 10NT and 50NT coins are commonly used in Taiwan. But did you know that there's also a 20NT coin in circulation? That's right, because the 20NT coin is so uncommon, it's often suspected of being counterfeit. Some vendors even refuse outright to accept it. The central bank has made a point of introducing this unusual coin and to confirm that it's legal tender. What coin is this? Most have never seen it, while others mistake it for a 50 NT piece. Look closer, and you'll find the indigenous hero Mona Rudo and a memorial to the Usha incident. On the back, you'll find traditional Tatala boats used by the Yami people. It turns out that this is a rare commemorative coin that's in the denomination of 20 NT. I'd be afraid that businesses wouldn't want it. Usually you just deal with 10 NT or 50 NT. If I suddenly had a 20 NT coin to use, I think I'd have to do some extra mental math. Would it be hard to spend? It'd depend on whether your shop clerk has seen it before. The central bank explains all on social media. This special coin commemorates Muna Rudo, the indigenous hero who led a Cetic uprising against Japanese rule in 1930. The coin was first issued in the year 2001. That means the coin has been in circulation for 21 years. But the 20 NT coin never quite caught on, as vendors found it inconvenient to make change for. Over time, it became an increasingly rare sight. This commemorative coin was issued in a relatively large quantity, but there aren't that many collectors. Right now, the value of the coin is about one to one. But there are people on the internet who want this relatively unusual coin and will pay a little more to obtain it. The dealer says that the 20 NT coin, along with the 200 and 2000 NT banknotes, are not frequently used in common transactions. When they do appear, he says, there's often doubt about their authenticity. The central bank has confirmed that the 20 NT coin is indeed legal tender, so vendors can rest easy and accept it with confidence. 
Former presidential adviser and Taiwan independence activist Peng Mingming passed away on Friday morning at the age of 98. President Tsai Ing-wen, Vice President Lai Ching-de and Premier Su Zhenchang have expressed their condolences while thanking Peng for his contributions to Taiwan's democratic transition. Peng was an outspoken critic of Chiang Kai-shek's regime and was an advocate for freedom and democracy in Taiwan while in exile for more than two decades. He'll be buried at a Presbyterian church in Kaohsiung. At 93 years old, Peng Mingmin published the book Bidding Farewell to Family and Friends. Five years later on Friday morning, the former presidential candidate has passed away. Premier Su Jiantang said it was a huge loss for Taiwan. Last year on 2-2-A Peace Memorial Day, I went to see him. He was still very talkative back then, and we made plans to meet again. But now, we are forever separated. We should thoroughly identify with Taiwan. We don't have any hometowns outside of Taiwan. We don't have any motherlands besides Taiwan. Taiwan is our motherland, our only hometown. Peng was an outspoken advocate for freedom and democracy in Taiwan. He was born in 1923 in Taichung's Daja district. In 1945, he pursued studies at Tokyo Imperial University. During his stay in Japan, he lost his left arm during a U.S. air raid near Nagasaki. In 1954, he obtained a doctoral degree in law at the University of Paris. As an authority in international law, he eventually became the youngest dean of National Taiwan University's Department of Political Science. In 1964, he and two students, Xie Tongmin and Wei Tingchao, published a manifesto against Chiang Kai-shek's authoritarian regime and advocating for democracy in Taiwan. Because of it, Peng was sentenced to eight years in prison. In his second year in jail, he was granted a special pardon and placed under house arrest. In 1970, Peng managed to escape Taiwan undercover. While in exile, he became the head of the Formosan Association for Public Affairs, advocating for reform in Taiwan before finally returning to his native country in 1992. In 1996, he ran for president with Frank Xie as VP in Taiwan's first direct presidential election. He could have just kept to himself and enjoyed glory and riches, but during those authoritarian times, he decided to be brave and make Taiwan's plight be known. He offended the authorities at the time and faced severe consequences, but he was unafraid and fully resolved to attain his goal. He is an exemplary figure for later generations like ours. Through a spokesperson, President Tsai Ing-wen expressed her condolences, deeply thanking Peng for his advice to her and for his contributions to the democratization of Taiwan. Meanwhile, in social media, Vice President Lai Ching-de made a post saying that Peng had given everything in life for a taste of freedom with no regret or remorse. The Peng Mingming Foundation has released a statement that, as per Peng's will, funerals of any kind will not be held for him. 
Pong will be cremated and his ashes buried at a Presbyterian Church of Taiwan Cemetery in Kaohsiung's Yancheng District. On his obituary, the association quoted from the preface of his last published work, which reads, There is one China and one Taiwan. That is long-established ironclad reality. Though Pong is gone, his work for Taiwan and his impact on Taiwan's future will never be forgotten. The entire length of the South Cross Island Highway could soon open to traffic after more than 12 years of repairs. The highway was heavily damaged during a severe typhoon in 2009, and sections of the mountain road remained closed up until this year. The highway is very narrow in parts, making it impossible for large construction vehicles to assist with repairs. Instead, workers had to hang on ropes from cliffs to install nets and pour concrete. In 2009, Typhoon Morakot caused landslides and collapsed roadbeds in southern Taiwan, leaving sections of the South Cross Island Highway closed for up to 12 years. With restoration work nearly complete, the entire length of the highway could soon reopen to traffic. In parts of the highway, workers had to hang from cliff sides with ropes to complete the repairs. Many parts of the South Cross Island Highway are very narrow, and there is no way for large equipment to be brought in. These brave workers were an indispensable part of reconstruction efforts. This was the part of the highway worst hit by the typhoon. The area with the worst collapse is also the area where construction is most difficult. In this narrow mountain pass, about 120 meters of roadbed were washed away. To conduct repairs, everything had to be done from above, including setting nets, spraying cement, and securing beams. What often happens is that, while we're working, there will be falling rocks. We all remind each other to be careful. I guess this is what's meant by the expression, hanging on by a thread. The South Cross Island Highway closed in 2009. In January 2020, authorities reopened a section of the road between Kaohsiung's Meishanko and Tianchi. The section was open to cargo trucks under five tons and passenger vehicles with nine or fewer passengers. However, vehicles may only enter the section from 7 a.m. to 2 p.m. Starting at 3 p.m., all vehicles are asked to clear the area, and by 5 p.m., the whole road is void of traffic. An alarm sounds and control center personnel notify crew on the ground. They immediately head to the scene, checking for falling rocks and warning drivers. The Baolai Traffic Control Center is a heart of traffic control for the entire South Cross Island Highway. Every day when traffic control measures take effect, the staff at this center is responsible for locating vehicles that have yet to clear the passage. The Directorate General of Highways has spent 13 billion NT over 12 years to repair the 150-kilometer road. Now, repairs of the last 20-kilometer stretch between Tianzhi Tunnel and Xianyang are almost complete. Authorities say that they hope to reopen the section by late April so that vehicles can once again travel the whole length of the highway.